God, how great is your love, Lord, and we just sing that, we worship you, God, and we find so much comfort in that. And tonight as we come to you in this time, Lord, of just uh, worship, sitting before your feet, Lord, how, how we need you. I pray for those who are hurting tonight. Pray for those who need your strength. Pray for those who are facing trials and those, God, that are just in the middle of maybe a hurricane, God. And I just pray that they would feel your love now. And I thank you that we can stop tonight and sit before you, worship you, and just find peace in you and just find so much peace in knowing your love for me, God. And I thank you that you love everybody, Lord, at the sound of my voice right now. And so, Lord, with that, we ask that you would bless your word, that you would speak to us and help us, God, to learn, to grow, to be transformed in our heart, God, to be able to live, be able to be, God, and be able to glorify you in all things. So thank you, Jesus. Uh, We ask for your blessing, and we ask for the anointing of your spirit, and I ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Amen. I heard of a report that doctors have found a way to improve your health. This new treatment will lower your blood pressure, help you feel less hostile, help you to quit smoking, and even to lose weight. You can also lower your risk of depression, phobias, they say bulimia, and alcoholism. Well, what is this miracle cure? You know what it is? Giving thanks. Giving thanks. A professor at UC Davis, Robert Emmons, said, Those who offer gratitude are less envious and resentful. They sleep longer, exercise more, and report a drop in blood pressure. Uh, He also authored a book called this. The title was Thanks, How Practicing Gratitude Can Make You Happier. I thought that was interesting. I mean, this is a a unbeliever, but, you know, he finds being grateful, giving thanks, being thankful as healthy to your body. And you know what? Isn't that what God wants us to do? In 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It's God's will for us to give thanks in all circumstances. And why? Well, it's good for us, plus we give God glory anyway. Well, in our study tonight in the Gospel of Luke, as we continue on here in chapter 17, we come now to a story, and we come now to the story of the healing of the ten lepers. And only one returns to show his appreciation and thanks while the other nine were tragically ungrateful. And that's the title of our message, Tragically Ungrateful. And so Jesus here uh, in this story really is going to reveal to us how important it is to be thankful. So here we are in Luke chapter 17. Tonight we're going to be studying verses 11 through 19. 11 through 19. Now our outline has four headings tonight. And these are the headings. Number one, the strangest healing. Number two, the solitary praise. Number three, the Savior's question. And number four, the second miracle. So that's our outline for tonight. Also, I'm wrapping that up into our points, too, in each section. But let's begin here. Number one, the strangest 
healing, the strangest healing. Now we're going to be covering verses 11 through 14. And again, our title is Tragically Ungrateful. But the first thing, we're going to find the strangest healing. Now, take a look here, first of all, from verse 11 through 13 of Luke chapter 17. It says here, On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So we'll stop right there. Now we begin here. Once again, Luke, the writer, is, is, is giving us this account of Jesus. Now, he's writing how Jesus and the disciples were on their way to Jerusalem. Now, you remember, as we've been studying here, Jesus is on his way. He's, he's heading toward Jerusalem, and he's going to Jerusalem for one last time, because there in Jerusalem, he will be betrayed. He will be arrested. There in this area of Jerusalem, he will be put upon the cross and he will die but then he'll rise again so this is this is the the peak of his mission this is why he came why jesus came to die on the cross so he's on the road he's on his way to jerusalem and so on his way to jerusalem it says in verse 11 he was passing along between samaria and galilee now if you remember the area of galilee like where the sea of galilee or where capernaum is uh, where Jesus' home base of ministry, Pete, where Peter lived, that was all in that, that like Galilee County, you could call it. And it was in the northern part of Israel. Jerusalem was in the southern part of Israel. And that's where he's heading. Well, in between there is an area called Samaria. And so they were right there on the border of Galilee and Samaria. And so they've come to that area and he entered this village. There, there's this border town right there. So right there, he's coming there and, and he enters a village and then he was met by 10 lepers. Now they came to him, but from a distance now because, well, they were quarantined, you could say, outside of the village. They could not enter and they couldn't be part of the population because they had leprosy. Now that was because back then, ancient times, there was no cure for leprosy. Uh, leprosy today is called Hansen's disease, and there is a cure today, and there's a handful of people who who uh, have contracted. And we we know this from you know living in Hawaii and, and Molokai and Kalapapa, Kalapapa, yeah, over there, yeah, in the history of all that. Well, well, in this ancient time, there was no cure. Or leprosy. Leprosy would produce these sores all over your body, a rash. The sores would stink. It would just stink really bad. It was gross. And the leprosy was would affect your nerve endings to the point where you you would lose feeling. And many lep, uh, lepers would like have missing fingers. It wasn't so much the leprosy was because they they couldn't feel anymore. They could be cooking or put their hand in the fire and they didn't even know it. And they would they would lose. Uh, digits, maybe toes, because they would lose uh, their feeling in their, their, their nerve endings. But in the advanced stages of leprosy, it, it did start to eat away your flesh. So some lepers even were missing their nose because it was eating that away. Um, it, your teeth would fall out. Um, and in the real advanced stages, like right before you're dying, the leprosy would, would be eating up vital organs. And so many died because of that. 
soul. Today there's a cure, but in ancient times these guys were there was no cure. They're basically to me they're like walking zombies, you know. They're already dead basically. They're alive but they're 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 already dead. So, these 10, it says here, lifted up their voices in verse 13. They all together, think about it, you hear a chorus of vo voices, a chorus of 10 lepers and their voices and they're lifting it up they're shouting out from the distance and they see jesus they've come as close as they could to the village and in desperation they call out to jesus and here in verse 13 they say jesus master now the word master it means master like chief or commander and it, it's it really speaks of the person who has authority and power and it could be that they were calling Jesus master because maybe they heard of the leper who got healed way back in Luke chapter 5. And so they know that Jesus has the power and authority over this disease to heal a person with leprosy. So they say, Jesus, master, you who have the authority over this dreaded disease we have. And then they say, have mercy upon us. Us. Like, look upon us, look upon our suffering, look upon the pain, look upon this disease that we've contracted with compassion. So basically, they're calling to Jesus to heal them of this severe, serious disease. So, we see here, the idea is that ten lepers banded together to approach Jesus, for you know what, he was their only hope for healing. They probably heard he was coming into town. Whoa, he's right there, right on the border town between Galilee and Samaria. Whoa, he's here? Oh, so these ten lepers, they got up, they went, called from afar to where they could see Jesus and called out for mercy and hope for healing because Jesus was their only hope. You know, I think about what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 7, verse 24 and 25, the first part of 25, and he said, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you remember in that chapter, Paul's just, just really sharing his heart, how he struggles between his flesh and the sin and the things he wants to do right, he doesn't do. And the things he doesn't want to do, that's what he does. You know, those things against God. And he's like, oh, wretched man I am. Thanks be to God, though, through Christ. He will deliver me. And you know what? Spiritually, leprosy is a picture of sin. That ugliness, uh, uh, how it contaminates the body, this disease, how it destroys a person physically, well, that's what sin does spiritually. And so many times in, in the Bible, it's looked upon as leprosy, as, as, a as like a picture of sin and what sin does to us spiritually. But know this tonight. Whatever you're struggling with, maybe, maybe there's some old habits coming up. Maybe you're struggling with some fleshly things and like Paul, battling inside. You know what? Know this, that Jesus can save you from that sin. Jesus can deliver you from that sin. And just as these guys have come to Jesus, there is only hope that they know. There's no cure for leprosy back there. And you know what? There's no cure for sin in our world. There's no cure. But there, only Jesus can heal us and deliver us. So, verse 14 now, it says, When he saw them, he said to them, Go 
and show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Now, when Jesus saw them, I mean, he, he saw them, they were a little bit far, right? Because they were quarantined, they couldn't come close. So Jesus saw them, and you know when he saw, saw them? He looked at them with great compassion. And, and, and just think about this. This is the love of God. This is, this is the mercy of God upon these guys. And, and I even think that maybe Jesus took a particular road and came to this particular village because perhaps this was a divine appointment for these guys to be healed. Well, then Jesus tells them now, go, he says in verse 14, and show yourself to the priests. Now, what is that? Well, according to Jewish law in Leviticus 13, if a leper is healed, which was only by a miracle, uh, even back in Moses' time, or the leprosy was in remission, like it was, it was you know, going away, they were, according to the law, go show themselves to the priests. So the, the, the priests, the Jewish priests, were actually like the health inspectors. <laughs> and they would examine the person, the leper there. And so they go to the local priest for a health inspection. And then through this eight-day process of checking and going back and, and, and checking, if the leprosy was, was gone, then the priest would declare that person clean, quote-unquote, clean. And that was huge because if the priest, the health inspector of that time, would officially declare this leper clean, well, then at that point, that person can be accepted back into society because they were quarantined, right? It was incurable disease. They couldn't be with their family. They couldn't work. They couldn't be with their wife. They, they couldn't go to the temple to worship because of this dreaded disease. But if they were declared clean officially, then they could get back into society. They can get back to their family. They can get back to their culture and living their life again. So, Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest. Go to a local priest, show yourself, uh, as the law says. So, these guys, they head out like Jesus asked. And it says here, amazingly, at the end of verse 14, and as they went, they were cleansed. Now, isn't that amazing? I think this is just unbelievable. Jesus isn't super close to them, right? He just tells them, go show yourself to the priest, to the priest, and they turn around and they go probably and then they're healed. Jesus just told them to go and as they went, they were healed. I have to say this is the strangest healing Jesus has done. Go! And they went and then they were healed. You know, with, with the um, simplest of words, Jesus commands them and the leprosy was gone. Isn't that crazy? He he didn't touch him. Yeah. There was no special prayer. He didn't wave his hands over the air, you know, and all some power came out of him and went went upon them. Uh, the, the the sky didn't grow dark and there was no lightning or thunder. There wasn't angels appearing and seeing anything. He just said, Go, show yourself to the priests. Can you imagine the ten lepers? You know, they're standing far off. Jesus says, go show yourself to priests. I wonder if they're like looking at each other like, uh, is, is this how it works? <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Is, 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 this, is, this what, is this what happened? I mean, they must have looked at each other, you know, maybe expected Jesus to come up to, 
to to them, but like the leper in Luke chapter 5, but he didn't. Can you imagine? Even though, even though they didn't understand it all, right? They did what the master, Jesus, told them to do, asked them to do. And they turned to go. And perhaps when they turned and they took that first step, and they took that next step, every step, maybe the leprosy began to go away. And maybe one noticed the other one going, hey, hey, your, your sores are gone. Look, look, look on your arm. Look on your face. They're gone. Hey, look at you. Your nose is back. You know? Oh, look, you're, you have hair on your head. Because usually it, it would take all that too. Whoa. And, and then look at, look, and maybe they're looking at their own arm going, wow, it's, it's soft like, like new skin. Perhaps maybe the, the fingers were back. You know, can you imagine as they took that step, they were healed and healed completely and not just one but all ten were healed i love that picture the ten lepers approached jesus together and the ten lepers were healed together isn't that great to see this is amazing to me so our point is the strangest healing happened after the ten lepers obeyed jesus's instructions isn't that interesting? What if they didn't turn around yeah, and go? What if they're like, huh? You know, what's, what's, what? Jesus, wait, you know. But they, they obeyed the master whom they acknowledged. And when they obeyed, that's when the healing came. You know, there was another leper who was challenged uh, logically, kind of, I would say, in a similar way by Elisha the prophet. And I want you to see this. Turn over in the Old Testament to 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5. We're going to be looking at verses 9 through 14 here. 2 Kings chapter 5. Look at verse 9. 2 Kings chapter 5 verse 9 says so Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house now Naaman has leprosy at this point and he heard Elisha the prophet could do something so he goes to Elisha the prophet's house so Naaman the Syrian general he's a general of Syria here so verse 10 and Elisha sent a messenger to him saying Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. You want to be healed, Naaman? Go to the Jordan, go dip in it seven times, and you'll be healed. Go do that. But look at verse 11. Naaman, this general, right? Think about this. He, he's a high, high official. He's this general guy, and so he's upset. He, he's like, Naaman was angry and went away saying, Behold, I thought he would surely come out to me. No, what did Elisha do? Send a messenger, right? Elisha didn't even, even see him face to face. And then he come out to me and stand there in front of me and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand all over the place. And then I would be cured and cure the leper. So Naaman expected this sort of process to happen. 
And that's what he thought, that's the way he would be healed of his leprosy. Well, verse 12, uh, um, he goes on and says, Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? And it probably, I mean, we've been to Israel, saw the Jordan River, it's pretty brown and dirty. Perhaps these are clear running streams. So to me, it doesn't make sense. The Jordan, it's dirty, it's brown, you know. That cures me, what? Could I not wash, verse 12, in them and be clean? So he turned away and went away in rage. But his servants came near and said to him, My father, it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, wash and be clean? In other words, uh, didn't the prophet of God give you this word, this thing to do? And, and, and if he said that, wouldn't it make you clean? And so, verse 14, So he understood that. He went down, dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. So, to Naaman, it was this general was like, this, this doesn't make sense, you know? And that's why, I, you know, back, back to, if we go back to... Um, Luke, that's why I, I think this is the strangest miracle, yeah? where Jesus just told him, go show yourselves to the priests. But in obedience, when they turned, when they headed that way, that was when they were healed. Let me ask you back to Naaman. Did Naaman have a lot of faith? No. He had more doubt, right? Until the guy said, well, hey, isn't this the word? All right, okay, I'll do it. But he had enough faith to do what he was instructed and even not understanding how it's going to work, even going against his logic, yeah, totally going against it, and same as this miracle here in Luke 17, to me it goes against my logic, but like a child obeyed the word and authority of Elisha, and he was healed. And just like these ten lepers, it doesn't make sense. Doesn't Jesus need to touch me? Shouldn't he wave his hand over me, even from far away? I know either maybe he doesn't want to touch us, but shouldn't his power go out from me? Shouldn't he say some prayer? What? Just go and turn, and boom, they were healed? It's, it's beyond our understanding. It's beyond our logic. It's beyond our expectation. But in that obedience, that's where they found healing. So, the strangest healing happened after the ten lepers obeyed Jesus' instructions. You know what? Is God speaking to you right now? Is what He's instructing you to do go against maybe your logic or your perception? Is it? If God is really telling you these things, then I think we need to obey. If, if God is asking you to really trust His Word, shouldn't we obey our Master, our Lord, and follow that leading, follow the leading of the Spirit? I think that's so important, you guys. For me, when I see this passage, and as we're at this first part, it's like mind-blowing, but they were obedient. And even though they didn't, it didn't, probably never made sense to them, they had enough faith. Well, okay, even that little amount of faith, okay, we'll, we'll do this, we'll go. And when that little faith, that's when they got healed. I think God is calling us to do the same. 
things that maybe don't make sense, but something that he's telling you to do. So obey him. C.H. Spurgeon said this, the, the great preacher in England in the 1800s. He said, Faith and obedience are bound up in the same bundle. He that obeys God, trusts God. And he that trusts God, obey God. Isn't that good? If we really know who God is, if we really trust the Lord, then we're going to be obedient to his word. So, number one, we see here the strangest healing. Let's go to number two, the solitary praise. The solitary praise. Now, here we're going to be covering verse 15 through 16. So, verse 15 says, Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now, he was a Samaritan. We'll stop there for this section. Now, one of the ten lepers turned back. He realized what had happened, that he was healed. So he headed back to Jesus. He turned around, went to Jesus. And, and as he was going, he was praising God with a loud voice. And I, to me, I picture him as soon as, soon as he, he knew, can you imagine that he was healed? He he turned around and he just started praising God. He just praising the Lord. He just, with a loud voice. He wasn't up to Jesus yet. He wasn't there with him, but he, he, was, he, he was just so happy, right? And he's praising God that he's healed. And when he got back to where Jesus is, I'm sure this time he went up to Jesus because we're reading it, right? He fell on his face at his feet. He's healed now. He doesn't have to be in quarantine. He doesn't have to keep that social distancing. So he fell on his face at the feet of Jesus and he was giving him thanks. I'm sure he was overwhelmed with the mercy of God. God gave him mercy to heal. I'm sure he knew that this healing meant he could get back to his life, get back to his family, get back to his work, go to the temple, worship again, and, and all of that, or at least the the the. the place where he lives to worship there i'm sure his heart was so grateful right that god would give any mercy and that he would he was healed well the mercy here is emphasized when we find out at the end of verse 16 it says now he was a samaritan back then samaritans were despised and were they're like on the bottom of the social ladder according to the Jews. They were considered like this polluted mixed race. Uh, they were not pure Jews. When the Assyrians invaded northern Israel in 2 Kings 17 and took over, the Assyrians took over the land, uh, they married and they, they, the Gentiles got married with Jews and all of that. And so that's who the Samaritans are. And so since that time, the purebred Jews hated and despised the Hapa Jews, you can say. And so this is why Luke notes this, because, wow, this guy a, was a Samaritan. The Jews thought that, well, God would never bless the Samaritan. But look what happened. A Samaritan was given mercy. This leper was healed. The unexpected happened. A Samaritan is healed of leprosy, and the Samaritan is the one who came back to thank Jesus. 
you know, the gratefulness, you could see why. It really came from one who had two things against him. One, he was a leper, but he was also a Samaritan. But he was healed. God, in a sense, blessed him, gave him this favor, gave him this mercy. It must have been so shocking to Pharisees probably were, remember, they're like hovering around, trying to catch Jesus at something. They probably saw all of this, and they, they, they probably were just out of their mind thinking, what, this outcast, a leper, uh, on top of that, a Samaritan being healed? But look who's back worshiping at Jesus' feet. Look who's back thanking his healer. So, the solitary praise comes from one who was unexpectedly healed by God. I think this is beautiful here. This is God's mercy, God's grace upon us. I read about um, Henry Morehouse. He was this fiery evangelist in the 1800s. And when he was young, he was, he was wild. He was in and out of jail. He gambled. He, he was a gang leader. I mean, he, he was just living that wild, crazy life. But one day, he was passing this outreach going on in this large tent, and he thought all the noise going on was a fight. So he rushed in to see this fight. He ended up hearing the gospel, and in that message, in that service, he gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ and was saved. Well, he went on you know, to, to become an a, a evangelist, and often he would preach and his favorite passage was John 3:16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever he would emphasize believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life so Morris Henry uh, uh, Morris Morehouse excuse me would would explain the gospel like this he said I once bought a typewriter that was shipped mistakenly to another man named uh, Henry Morehouse at a different address. Well, if John 3.16 had said that God loved Henry Morehouse, I could have thought it meant the other Henry Morehouse. But since it says, whoever, there can be no mistake. And I like that. I understand that. So whoever means no matter who you are, no matter your social status, no matter your race, no matter how you grew up, no matter how bad your sins are, no matter if you're rich or poor, old or young, Christ died for all. And whoever would come to him and give his heart and life to him, God will save, Jesus will save, Jesus will deliver. So, Jesus is here to help you, just like the Samaritan, this Samaritan, this outcast uh, uh, race, this race that was looked down upon. You know what? Jesus doesn't see that. And Jesus is here to help to save. And so this guy was so grateful that Jesus does help. And Jesus does help you. And Jesus does help me. Jesus helps us. So, you know, we should be grateful because who are we? We're not privileged, right? We're not like privileged ones to have Jesus come and save us and deliver us. We're not. We're not. I'm not. Yet he did. And just like the Samaritan was, we should go back and thank him and praise him. So we see the strangest healing, the solitary praise. And now we come to number three, the Savior's question. 
the Savior's question. Now, we're going to cover verse 17 and 18 here. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the other, where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? So in response, right away, to seeing this solitary one, this one lep healed leper come back and fall down, thank Jesus and praise him. Jesus asks, were not ten cleansed? I mean, what, was, wasn't there ten that was healed of, of leprosy? Where, where are the other nine guys? You know, where are they? Why only this? Oh, how this question what Jesus is saying right here in verse 17 at the end, where are the other nine? How that echoes down through the centuries. How that echoes down to tonight, right here today, right where we're at. Where are the others? Where are the other nine? Are we the other nine? And so Jesus wonders, was no one else found to turn back and give praise, basically? Wasn't there anyone else here? Um, sure, I, these guys, well, we're just doing what Jesus said. Go to the priest. Yeah, sure, sure, okay. But they were healed, yeah? Perhaps they, they just want to get back to their life. Oh, we're healed. Yeah, let's get officially declared cleansed and we can get back into life. I can go home. I can, I can get back to work, you know? But shouldn't they have stopped first to go back and give Jesus praise, give him thanks? It's interesting, Jesus says, only this foreigner, except this foreigner, is here. What, you know, what, what's, what's with that? That's what Jesus is saying. Now understand, when he uses the word this foreigner, he's not like putting down the guy. Only this Samaritan guy. No, that's not what he's saying. But it, what he's really saying is, Aren't you surprised a Samaritan has come back and given thanks? I mean, it really refers to how the other nine guys were Jews, or the purebred Jews. The Jews prided themselves as being the real followers of God. They put down the Samaritans for the way they worship. They worship in their own little city there. But we worship in Jerusalem. That's, that's the place where we worship. And, and so the Jews are like, we're the real followers of God. So that's why Jesus is saying, this is the only guy? How, how about the, the Jews who claim to be the real followers? But this Samaritan, this Samaritan is here. He's the one who's really giving praise. He's the one who is really grateful. How sad to see ten come together and approach Jesus, but only one come back. How sad to see ten all get healed, but only one come back giving Jesus thanks. How sad to see a chorus of ten asking for healing, but then later it's a solo performance of that one who is grateful. How sad to see the ungrateful nine who are expected to be thankful. They should have been the first ones, but they were not. R. Kent Hughes commented on, on this, and he wrote in his commentary, There is a deadly problem here. God is not the center of their gratitude. They, in other words, they don't really care. Yeah. They're so focused on themselves. They're so focused on 
on, on maybe I got to get back to my life kind of thing, yeah, that they forget who had really healed them. So the Savior's question, well, it reveals the nine didn't really have any interest in Jesus. That, that's what it really shows. That's why Jesus is saying, wait, where, where's the other nine? You know, they don't, they don't really care, you know. Oh, yeah, Jesus, Master, yeah, maybe they turned and, okay, let's do it. And they had enough faith to have that and be healed. But how about the one who healed them? How about the one who told them what to do so they would experience that miracle? So this question really reveals the nine really didn't have any interest in Jesus. You know, I was hearing how the post office said in three months before Christmas, isn't that crazy? Christmas is around the corner already. We're in November. How exciting. But I was hearing how the post office said in the three months before Christmas, thousands and thousands of letters come into the post office address to Santa Claus. But in the months after Christmas, the post office maybe gets only one letter thanking him. Just one. After all that, right? I thought, well, that's exactly like these nine. Oh, oh, Santa Claus, give me this, give me this. And when you get it, oh, yeah, I got it. And you forget. Yeah. You forget. Or you don't care, really, because all you cared about was the present. And that's what these guys, the Savior's question really reveals, you know, the nine really... They didn't have interest in Jesus. They were quick to ask and receive from Jesus. But once they got what they wanted, they were gone. No, thank you. No, yeah, all right, praise you, God. None of that. They were just not to be seen. How many times have we seen that people come to church or they come to you or they're calling you, asking for prayer, friends or maybe even family. They, they show up, you know, in the crisis of their life. All of a sudden, you, you, you know, they're seeking God. You point them to Jesus and they're in tears and seemingly repenting. And they, they cry for a miracle. They, they cry out to God for a miracle. And you know what? God in his mercy meets them and helps them, answers their prayer, right? Loves on them. Then things are good. And then what happens? Poof! They're gone. They're gone. Poof! They disappear. Where, where do they go now? Well, things are good now. Well, at least until the next crisis, right? I hope that's not you. I hope you don't run to God, you know, with your problems and trials, and God comes and His mercy and helps, and then poof. Oh, th- see you later, God. Yeah. Well, all of a sudden, you're, you disappear. Yeah. You leave God just standing there, like Jesus, just standing here. Where's the other night? And you go on in your life. Like, I, I imagine that's what these guys are all happy about. Yeah, we can go on. Can you hear Jesus' heart here? Yeah. I, I almost feel like it's breaking. Yeah. Can you hear maybe Jesus speaking to you? He's speaking to me. He's speaking to all of us. Yeah. So we see this tragically ungrateful nine And we've seen here, number one, the stranger's healing. Number two, the solitary praise. Number three, the Savior's question. And then our last heading, our last thing we see here, number four, the second 
miracle, the second miracle. In our last verse here, verse 19, Luke 17, it says, And he said to him, Jesus says to the healed leper, Samaritan, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Well, we end end tonight really with another miracle. Because Jesus declares this solo healed leper who returned and thanked Jesus that he's saved. He declares that this guy is delivered. So he tells him, rise. Because remember, he's on his face. Go on your way. Okay, you can go. Go back to your life now. You know, But know this. Your faith has made you well. Jesus acknowledges that this guy's faith is, is real. Because he showed this real faith because he came back to worship and thank Jesus. And he says, that faith. That made you turn around and come back and thank me. That really made you well. Now, now, in what sense is that? Because think about this. All of the lepers were healed. What is Jesus saying? That made you well. This one guy, he's saying, that made you well. Well, not, He wasn't talking about the other nine here. You know what he's talking about? He's made well in salvation in salvation we see this by the greek words jesus did not use the word like in verse 14 cleanse which is a katharazo like cleaned of the disease or in verse 15 the word healed is the word iomai um, which means healing or verse 17 is cleanse which is katharazo again but here in verse 19 jesus uses the word your faith has made you sozo is a Greek word. Well, and that word means delivered. And that word is another word for salvation. So in other words, he's saying, you know what? Your faith, you coming back and, and giving glory to God and thanking me, that shows that you have a saving faith. That faith has saved you. So the leper was not only healed physically, but he was saved spiritually. So you see, another miracle has happened right here. It wasn't on the outside with the leprosy. It was on the inside of his heart, and that was salvation. That faith, his faith that made him turn around to believe in Jesus, to give him glory, to give him honor, and to bow down to him. Maybe even it was like, I owe you my life kind of thing. His, that faith brought salvation. Warren Risby said, while it is a wonderful, while it is wonderful to experience the miracle of physical healing, it is even more wonderful to experience the miracle of eternal salvation. So our last point is this. The second miracle of salvation was confirmed when he returned to worship Jesus, when this one leper returned to worship Jesus. You know, I, I think that's one of the best ways to show your faith, your, that, that your salvation is to give God gratitude. I read about a woman who shared with Spurgeon her heart as she listened to what Jesus had done in saving people from their sins. So she turned to Spurgeon and said, Oh, Mr. Spurgeon, if Christ saves me, he will never hear the end of it. And that's that attitude, right? That, that's, I think, the core part of us. I mean, where would we be without Jesus in our life and salvation in our life? 
I mean, we're delivered from our sins, right? We've been freed from that bondage. We've been forgiven. How many of you walked around like, like before you, you had Jesus, like heavy with that guilt, you know? But then Christ came, forgave you, and that guilt was lifted off. The shame was lifted off. And you were forgiven and cleansed. I mean, that's salvation. So are we grateful like that? You know, are we grateful for God not only blessing us and giving us gifts, and but really saving us? I, I think that comes to the number one core reason to give God thanks and glory. Or are we like the other nine? We just go on with our life. Do we really thank God for everything and especially salvation? There's this old hymn by Seth and Bessie uh, Sykes called Thank You, Lord. And the verses go like this. Some thank the Lord for friends and home, for mercy sure and sweet. But I would praise him for his grace. In prayer, I would repeat. Some thank him for the flowers that grow, some for the stars that shine. My heart is filled with joy and praise because I know he's mine. I trust in him. From day to day, I prove his saving grace. I'll sing this song of praise to him until I see his face. And then the chorus of the song goes, uh, Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation so rich and free. You guys probably know that hymn. But that's what it's about, thanking God. At the core of our thankfulness, I mean, we need to thank God for everything. We need to remember that. But at the core of it, we thank him for our salvation. This is a sad and tragic story of the nine. And you know what? It's repeated throughout history. And as we close up, let's not be like these ten, right? Let's be like the one. I'll close with this. Many, many, many years ago, a boat was wrecked in a storm on Lake Michigan at Evanston, Illinois. Students from Northwestern University University for, uh, formed themselves into rescue teams and they went out to try and save the people. Uh, one student, Edward Spencer, saved 17 people from the sinking ship. When he was uh, carried exhausted to his room, all he could say is, did I do my best? Do you think I did my best? Well, many years after, and people were kind of wondering about why he was saying that. Well, many years after that, R.A. Torrey, a famous preacher, was talking about this incident at a meeting in Los Angeles. And a man in the audience called out and said that, you know what, Edward Spencer was he, is here, right here tonight. So the pastor then invited Edward Spencer to come up to the platform, to the podium, and, and share. So here comes this old man, comes up to the podium, white hair, but he's still living physically with some lasting effects from that day. Uh, he slowly climbed the steps and as the applause rang. So uh, R.A. Torrey asked him some questions. He was sharing. And then R.A. Torrey asked if there was anything particular that stood out in his memory about that fateful day. Only this, sir, he replied, this um, Edward, 
uh, Spencer, he replied and said, of the 17 people I saved, not one of them thanked me. How sad. Let's not be like that toward God. Let's not be like these nine who walked, about, walked away from Jesus who were tragically ungrateful. Let's pray. Lord, as we bow our heads before you, God, we are convicted by the fact that we don't thank you so much. Lord, we, 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 we do the opposite. We give you our lists when we pray, if we pray at all. And when we pray, it's all about, can you do this? Can you heal me? Can you do this miracle? Can you do this? And Lord, in your mercy and your grace and your love toward us, you do answer prayer. And, and, and we're so happy about it. Yet, we do not stop to say, thank you, God. Thank you for your power and your strength. Thank you for your mercy and grace and answering prayer when I don't deserve it. And Lord, forgive us for that. We are convicted of that. But we do bow down, and just as the one who came back, we fall at your feet, praising you, thanking you, and especially, God, number one is salvation. Thank you, God, for saving us, Lord. Where would we be without you tonight? Thank you, God, that you you loved us so much that you never stopped going after us and you never stopped reaching out to us and you you kept going until we came to you. We kept going until we finally saw that we needed you. And so, Lord, in this brokenness before you, we we, we don't want to forget and say, say, oh, yeah, okay, and go on, but we want to say thank you, God. We are so grateful for your salvation and giving us the life we have, God. And even though there's struggles, even though there's things that we go through, God, well, there is always something we can be thankful for, and that is you saved us. And we're still here. We're still breathing. We're still alive. And we're still here to be able to serve you in the way you want us to serve, whether it's in our families or at work or in church or however it is, wherever it is, you take our feet lord we are your servants you are our master and we are thankful to be able to do anything even in the worst of situations lord we're grateful that we have you in our lives and so so god i just want to say thank you tonight god thank you for being here you are so great god great is your love and and great and awesome lord is everything you do for us. And God, we look to you for hope. We look to you for strength. And we, we look to the answers to these prayers. And we look forward to when we can say, thank you, God, for answering these prayers. So, Lord, here we are, bowed before you to worship you right now. In Jesus' name, amen.